Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here at MedStar Health Doc Talk. Today, we're discussing advancements in the treatment of non-small cell lung cancer. We're talking today with Dr. Joshua Royce, an award-winning thoracic medical oncologist at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. Dr. Royce, welcome to Doc Talk. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So to start, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested originally in thoracic oncology? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a thoracic medical oncologist at Georgetown Lombardi Cancer Center at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, uh, having started here in August of 2020. So and interestingly enough, uh, in residency, I originally was interested in either uh, GI or oncology, two very different uh, fields. And I gravitated more and more toward oncology for two specific reasons. One, I felt this was a patient population that I could really connect with, people that I could really hopefully make a difference in a positive way on people's lives at a very difficult point in their lives. Uh, and in addition, I felt that the science was just absolutely fascinating and that there was just so many emerging breakthrough therapies that were making a difference in people's lives. And then with thoracic, I felt that that was able to take it one step further, where this was a field that prior to kind of the time when I got into it, it was really miring with minimal therapeutic innovation, uh, innovation, but kind of around the time I became interested, there were new targeted therapies, immunotherapy was making inroads. So it was really an exciting field where we were seeing lots of innovation, lots of benefit to our patients, and I really wanted to be a part of that. Right. So we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about breakthroughs in the treatment of different kinds of lung cancer and what's exciting to you. So let's start with that. It seems like every year we have more and more breakthroughs in the treatment of non-small cell lung cancer. So first, can you kind of explain to people what non-small cell lung cancer is and the difference between that and other lung cancers? And then we'll kind of go into some of the particular treatments that have recently stood out to you. Sure. So, and I just want to say that this is a good timing for this podcast, that this is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, November, as we, as we get to the end of it. What I usually tell my patients is that the first things I say are, what is it, where is it, and how do we treat it? And the what is really what addresses your question uh, in the sense that there are two really main types of lung cancer. One is non-small cell lung cancer. The other is small cell lung cancer. Small cell lung cancer is the most aggressive form of lung cancer. It's almost exclusively associated with smoking, probably seen in about 20, 25% of cases of lung cancer, uh, as opposed to non-small cell lung cancer, which can frequently be associated with smoking, though not exclusively. Uh, and that's really the area where we've seen the bulk of our uh, therapeutic innovation, I would say, over the last, uh, really probably close to the last decade. So the second question there is the where, uh, and that's really important, and that gets to staging. So uh, that is basically allows us to say, all right, how advanced is this uh, cancer? Is it localized to one area in the lung, maybe the lung in the local lymph nodes, or has this unfortunately spread outside of the chest uh, and into other areas of the body? And, and when that happens, unfortunately, it is a metastatic or stage four uh, cancer that, while not curable, we hope to be able to control uh, for as long as we can. And, and thankfully, there's been much innovation uh, and improvement in this area. And so I would say that there's been innovation across the spectrum of non-small cell lung cancer. When we talk about advanced non-small cell lung cancer, I think there's been really two main forms of therapeutic innovation. One has been immunotherapy that I mentioned earlier, where we're able to harness the body's own immune system uh, to really hone in on the cancer and, and the responses that we've seen 
for those who do respond, can be durable, quite impressive, lasting for years. We even wonder if can we use the C word cure uh, for patients with advanced cancer. We hesitate to do that, but there definitely are cases when you're going on three, four, five years uh, with no evidence of cancer growth, are we able to say that? So that's one area where there's been a lot of advancement. The other is with something called targeted therapies. And the way that I explain this to patients is that for a fraction of patients diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer, there is actually a, a gene in the cancer that causes it to grow. And I, as I say to my patients, this is not typically something that you inherited from your parents or that you could pass on to your children, but it's something that happens sporadically that almost like a light switch causes the cancer to grow. It turns on the growth patterns. And there's been significant development of targeted therapies that, that really focus on these mutations that turn the light switch off and that can very effectively and rapidly reduce the cancer and control it for a long period of time. And the list of the mutations that we're able to target and the quality of the therapies that can target these mutations uh, just continues to improve significantly. So let's take a step back from treatment for a second and think about the whole process for a patient that might come in presenting with lung cancer. What, what is our process to diagnose them, to treat them, but also to kind of understand what the best course of treatment for each patient might be? How do we decide that? Sure. So I think there are several ways that a patient can be diagnosed. Uh, we hope that we could implement our screening processes uh, for those who qualify, uh, for those with smoking history, a 20-pack-year history that are between 50 and 80 years old and are actively smoking or have quit uh, within the last uh, 15 years. These are patients that qualify for lung cancer screening. And so uh, either with screening or with other imaging modalities, we hope that we can pick up uh, a cancer diagnosis early. If that is the case, then oftentimes what we're talking about is a multidisciplinary discussion with our lung doctors, our pulmonologists, surgeons, and radiation doctors, so that we can formulate a plan that really starts with that initial diagnosis. Um, that diagnosis needs to be confirmed with biopsy, uh, which can be in the form of a external biopsy coming outside the chest and going into the chest, or with a bronchoscopy that takes a camera down the throat and is able to assess not only the main spot in the lungs, but also to see if the cancer is spread to any lymph nodes. This is something we call mediastinal staging and is important in patients who we think would potentially benefit from surgery, patients who we think could be curable. Uh, so that is happening concurrently with all the imaging that we need to do, including a PET scan to look at the entire body, as well as a brain MRI to be sure the cancer hasn't spread to the brain. So that combination of tissue biopsy with imaging uh, is really the initial step and then kind of from there, the steps that are taken depend a little bit on the stage of the cancer. So let's say you have a patient come in and our team decides that their cancer is curable by a surgery. What is the decision-making process and what is that going to look like for that patient? Sure. So if a patient potentially has a localized cancer uh, where our goal is cure, uh, I think there are several important steps there. Uh, Probably the most important is meeting with our multidisciplinary team that, as I said, includes pulmonologists, radiation doctors, surgeons, as well as medical oncologists like myself, because we all want to come up with a plan that we agree upon uh, and, and really do it all at once uh, so that way we can expedite and move forward. If a patient is a surgical candidate, and there are several steps that go into that, oftentimes pulmonary function tests to determine uh, the capacity of the lungs to tolerate a surgery. Oftentimes, we also do cardiac tests to make sure a patient is able to undergo surgery. But if they are, 
then we are really looking at uh, one important step there is uh, doing our molecular testing because that helps to inform the strategy. And what I mean by that is we want to assess at the DNA, the RNA, the protein level, are there any mutations or, or unique aspects to a patient's cancer so that we can tailor our treatment. And in patients who are potentially curable, the main innovation has been incorporating immunotherapy with chemotherapy before surgery, utilizing what we call a neoadjuvant approach. Neoadjuvant means before surgery. Uh, that was approved earlier this year, actually, results of the Checkmate 816 trial. This was a phase three clinical trial that randomized patients with potentially resectable lung cancer, uh, stage uh, two or above, uh, to either three cycles of chemotherapy with immunotherapy or chemotherapy alone. And what we saw were really phenomenal outcomes from that study. Uh, almost a third of patients who got this treatment had what we call a complete pathologic response, which means no evidence of tumor in the, in the primary lung or in the lymph nodes at the time of surgery. And we've seen that this uh, benefit is translated into what we would call an event-free survival benefit, which means time to cancer coming back. That appears to be improved with the addition of immunotherapy to chemotherapy. Now, you might ask, well, what does molecular testing have to do with that? And the importance of that is that for those who have these mutations that I talked about earlier, uh, these that are like a light switch, oftentimes immunotherapy is not the best strategy in those patients. And so that's why it's important that at the same time we're having our discussions with our surgeons, our lung doctors, we're doing our full staging, that we also do this molecular testing because that entire assortment of tests uh, is really important in determining the best treatment for that particular patient. So we know that the treatment of lung cancers have come a long way in the last 50 years, but as you just said, even in the last year or two, there's been a lot of promising developments that could be great news for patients both now and in the future. Is there anything specifically that stands out to you that's happened in the last year or five years that is really exciting for you as someone who treats patients with lung cancer? Sure. So I think for me, a lot of my early research in fellowship was of this perioperative, meaning treatments before or after surgery. And up until the advent of immunotherapy and targeted therapies in this space, we knew that once a patient had a stage two or three cancer, I mean, their chances of the cancer coming back in many cases exceeded 50% uh, with long-term survivals, five-year survivals of less than 50%. So when our goal is cure, and yet more than half the time we can't achieve that, that's a problem. And so I think immunotherapy, both given before surgery and after surgery, is going to really improve that, and we're already seeing that. Um, and the targeted therapies as well, one targeted therapy in particular, a medicine called osimertinib or Tegriso, which is approved in patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer who have a mutation in a gene called EGFR. That is our frontline treatment for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer with an EGFR mutation. This medicine is also approved for after surgery in patients who have this mutation. And we've already seen that this can significantly improve the time to cancer coming back in patients who harbor such a mutation. So in my eyes, more than anything, this space uh, is what has really accelerated in the really even within the last one to two years. In the last five to 10 years, I think immunotherapy in the front line is really something that has been a game changer for those who don't have these mutations 
But at the end of the day, we're still looking to push the envelope. We're still looking to really uh, make this treatment approach better for more people. And I think there are several promising agents in the pipeline. There are several studies, including studies that we have here at Lombardi, uh, where we're hoping to address these questions. You talked earlier about who may be considered higher risk for developing lung cancer. So let's talk a bit about the importance of lung cancer screenings. If someone knows that they are considered high risk and they get a screening, how do their potential outcomes improve? And how does that help you and your team if someone gets a screening and we can recognize lung cancer earlier? Sure. So I think like with any cancer that we're doing active screening for, the point of screening is to detect a cancer earlier when there are no symptoms. Because the lung has no pain fibers. A lot of areas in the body where a cancer may start, you don't have symptoms when it's very small. And once you have symptoms, it can be too late. It can be spread. It can be advanced. And in those situations, the cancer is not curable. So really at the heart of it, the goal is for screening is to identify these cancers earlier when they're potentially curable. And as I mentioned earlier, the current guidelines in the United States are for people who are actively smoking at least 20 pack years. And that what that means is a pack per day per year is considered a pack year. So any iteration of that, half a pack a day for 40 years, a pack a day for 20 years, but at least what we call 20 pack years between the ages of 50 and 80 who are actively smoking or have quit within the last 15 years are eligible for a low-dose CT scan to look for lung cancer. Now, we know there are patients who are never smokers who develop lung cancer. There are active trials looking at screening in patients that might be at higher risk, but that's the current screening guidelines in the United States. And again, the goal here is to identify a cancer at an earlier stage where it is contained to the lungs or to the lungs in the immediately adjacent lymph nodes uh, so that we could potentially cure these patients. So is it safe to say then that nearly across the board, catching lung cancer at an earlier stage will most likely improve outcomes for these patients? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, We actually know from earlier this year, a a release by the American Cancer Society that patients with cancer are, are living longer. And I think that we've actually seen with the emergence of lung cancer screening that there's actually been an uptick in the detection of earlier stage cancers. And I don't think those two are, are unrelated. I think if de- in detecting cancers earlier when they could potentially be cured, our goal then is that these patients can live longer and hopefully uh, live a life where they are cured of their cancer. Though, again, admittedly, that is not all the time. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because as you, as you mentioned Earlier this year, the American Cancer Society said through a study, people with cancer are living longer, outcomes are better. Are there any specific reasons that we look at for drivers behind that study and why that might be happening? Yes. So I think one of them is screening, like we talked about. And the other, you mentioned the word driver, uh, and I think that was a very good word choice. As I mentioned, driver mutations. Again, these mutations that are like a light switch that cause the cancer to grow. There was actually a study published in the New England Journal a couple years before uh, this recent report that showed that lung cancer-specific mortality has really improved, and it's improved at a rate greater than can be explained purely by screening alone. And it's improved during a period that coincides with the approvals of these targeted therapies, these therapies that turn this light switch off. So I would say that both therapy innovation and screening together are probably driving the improvements in survival for lung cancer patients. 
Now, you were recently awarded the Longevity Foundation's Career Development Award, which supports future research leaders who are focused on new ideas and innovations in lung cancer research. And that was for your work on an ongoing clinical trial involving the use of immunotherapy to treat lung cancer. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, very well deserved. What can you tell us about the trial that you're working on? And also, what did it mean to you to be recognized for that by the Longevity Foundation? Sure. Well, thank you very much uh, for that uh, recognition. I would say that it, it it, to answer your last question first, it means everything. I'm very humbled by this, and uh, really, uh, I have to thank my mentors, uh, as well as everyone who's been involved in the design of the study, including patient advocates, our research office, and, and of course, uh, the patients who are actively participating in this study. And uh, really, to give you a little more detail on the trial, so uh, our goal with this trial is to reinvigorate a dormant immune response. And what I mean by that is in really in two groups of patients, try to activate the immune system where it uh, previously either was not activated or was activated and is slowly starting to lose that activation. And so there are two groups of patients that uh, this study is being investigated. And one is patients who have previously responded to immunotherapy, who uh, have now seen their cancer grow on immunotherapy-based treatments. And the other is in patients with the mutation in a gene called EGFR who have not seen immunotherapy. And we know that these patients in particular have been resistant to immunotherapy, that immunotherapy by itself does not work well in these patients. And so the trial is designed to see how a combination of two immunotherapy drugs with the medicine uh, that can improve blood vessel uh, formation and improve actually infiltration of the immune response into the tumor uh, can can kind of improve that immune response. And the medicines are called tirigolumab, which targets a checkpoint called TIGIT, a tezolizumab, which is approved across a lot of cancers, including lung cancer, uh, that targets uh, the antibody PDL1, and then a medicine that causes that targets vascular endothelial growth factor called bevacizumab. So it's a combination of these three IV medications uh, with the goal of reversing immunotherapy resistance in the case of those who have previously responded, and in the case of those with EGFR-mutated lung cancer, really invigorating and stimulating an immune response together with immunotherapies that target these checkpoints, as well as with this medicine Avastin that can hopefully mobilize that immune system, that immune activation to infiltrate and target the cancer and ultimately provide clinical benefit to our patients. How can patients with lung cancer who might be interested enroll in these clinical trials? Sure. Well, that answer is easy if they follow with myself or one of my lung cancer colleagues at Georgetown, Dr. Stephen Liu or Dr. Chul Kim, because we are obviously, we, we know the full complement of this playbook. And uh, if our patients are, are ever, ever experiencing growth of their cancer on their current treatments, that's our first step is to look at what trials patients may be eligible for. Uh, if they are seeing a physician outside of MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, then I would say the first thing they should do is talk to their oncologist uh, to see if uh, it's worth setting up a second opinion with uh, a member of our cancer center, myself, or doctors uh, Lou or Kim, where we can review our portfolio and see if patients may qualify for these studies. Or at the end of the day, if a patient is savvy, the, every single trial is listed on clinicaltrials.gov. And that does include contact information for those particular studies at unique institutions. And I've actually been contacted by patients directly by looking up this information on clinical trials. So I'd say any one 
of those uh, approaches would be reasonable uh, to try to look for a clinical trial that that may be beneficial to a particular patient. So you talked about advancements in treating patients with early stage lung cancer. Are there any other advancements or things we're looking forward to for patients who have a more advanced stage of lung cancer? Sure. So unfortunately, not all uncommonly, patients will present with an advanced or metastatic lung cancer. And in that situation, the cancer is not curable. Uh, Though, as I tell my patients, we still have many therapies that can shrink and control the cancer, hopefully for a very long time. And in that situation, really the most important first step is our molecular testing, what we call our next generation sequencing or NGS testing. And what that does is it takes either a piece of the tumor, or actually we can do this with blood as well, and it really gets an in-depth molecular profile for the patient at the DNA, the RNA level. Why is this important? Because it guides our treatment. And as I said earlier, the three big questions, what is it, where is it, and how do we treat it? Well, if we have someone within a metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, we've answered the first two questions, but we need to get to that third question. And the three main types of treatment that I give my patients, as I tell them, are chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and targeted therapy. Chemotherapy and immunotherapy typically go hand in hand. Chemotherapy is our our oldest anti-cancer treatment. It directly attacks rapidly dividing cells in the body. Immunotherapy, as I alluded to earlier, helps to invigorate one's own immune system to fight cancer. And the two can be used together with very good outcomes. The third type of treatment, targeted therapies, those are the treatments that, as I mentioned earlier, target these light switches, these unique gene mutations that can cause lung cancer to grow. However, this approach, immunotherapy plus chemotherapy or targeted therapy, those approaches are really quite mutually exclusive. Targeted therapy, in order for that to work, has to target a unique mutation that a patient's cancer has. If that mutation is not there, that targeted therapy will not work. And on the flip side, immunotherapy does not work well in patients who have these mutations. We know that from prior studies. So getting this additional testing is absolutely critical to picking our frontline treatment for our patients. So as I like to tell my patients, we are looking for the right therapy, not the fastest therapy. Now, there are situations where you might be in a bind. The cancer is it's grown so much that it's affecting one's breathing. It's affecting organ function. In that situation where you worry you might not have time for that molecular testing to come back, because that usually does take, I will say, on the order of two to three weeks. In the situation where we don't have time, I will oftentimes just prescribe a cycle of chemotherapy because we know chemotherapy can help to reduce the burden of cancer in the body. It can buy us time as we wait for that additional testing results. Patients with lung cancer who come to MedStar Georgetown, we're going to have the benefit of the multidisciplinary teams. That's doctors who are part of our lung cancer screening program, thoracic surgeons, thoracic oncologists, you and your team, and Dr. Liu and Dr. Kim, and also even proton therapy doctors for treating lung cancer. How does that benefit our patients to have access to all of these fields of lung cancer doctors at MedStar Georgetown? Yes, so I think the multidisciplinary team is is critically important, in particular for cases that aren't straightforward, where... It's a case that appears to be locally advanced where you could go towards surgery or radiation or we're worried about um, some pending emergency where we need to seek radiation very quickly uh, or other treatments very quickly. I think that's where the multidisciplinary team 
is absolutely critical because we're able to have those discussions together to communicate clearly so that we're all on the same page when it comes to giving our patients the optimal care that we really expect here at Georgetown Lombardi Cancer Center and MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. Are there any treatments coming down the pipeline that you're particularly excited about? Sure. So I would say that in in the world of cancer treatment and lung cancer in particular, uh, there is a lot of excitement uh, in our next generation of targeted therapies, immunotherapies, engineered immune cells, where we take uh, immune cells actually out of a patient and we we engineer them to target a unique factor, a unique protein, and then infuse those cells back into patients. This is very exciting. I would say that a particular class of therapies that is probably closest to prime time is something called antibody drug conjugates. And what that is, is it takes an antibody that can target a unique protein, something specific on a cancer, and to that antibody, it attaches a highly concentrated chemotherapeutic agent, or what we would call a warhead, uh, that, that basically it's like targeting a chemotherapy drug uniquely to a cancer cell. Uh, and more than just that, we know that the antibodies themselves can have properties to promote cancer destruction as well. And this unique class of, of anti-cancer drugs is showing a lot of promise in phase three studies. One of these types of drugs called trastuzumab deruxtecan was actually recently approved in the subsequent line setting in patients who have a mutation in a gene called HER2 who have advanced lung cancer. And this drug has also been approved in other cancers, such as breast cancer, uh, esophageal cancer, gastric cancer, to name a few. But this cl- class of therapies, I think, is really going to be uh, the next generation of chemotherapy drugs and and hopefully will show a lot of promise when combining with other agents, such as immunotherapy and targeted therapies. And I would say it's probably closest to prime time of any type of drugs uh, that are under development right now. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today, Dr. Royce. We hope you've enjoyed learning about advancements in the treatment of non-small cell lung cancer. We've been talking today with Dr. Joshua Royce with MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Dr. Royce, for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. For more information on lung cancer treatment at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, visit medstarhealth.org slash services slash lung dash cancer or call 888-666-3432.